Suicide Squad. The not Suicide Squad. The, the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Yeah. This is. I think that. I like the characters from the first one. Uh huh. A little bit better. Okay. But I like the movie, for the second one, a lot better. Uh, like. Almost exponentially better. I just miss, like, I wish, it pains me that they didn't get Killer Croc right the first time around. I know. Because that would have been cool. That really sucked. I also really like Deadshot. Well, Deadshot's still around. Yeah, but he wasn't, he's... He's not in this movie. I hope he's still around. Because, I mean, this movie is a sequel to the first one, right? Like, this movie, yes. it, like, acts as a true sequel. Yeah, so, this, a, so a, this movie kind of, what they do is... They kind of make it out this world of Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. They make it out to be like there are many Suicide Squads. Right, right. Like it's a thing that they regularly do. Right, they put together these Suicide Squads. So the first movie was just the first one they made. The first like Suicide Squad to ever form. And now in this one, it's kind of established that they've been doing it for a while. Right, and this is the whatever edition. Right, and you have like some returning people like uh, Harley Quinn, uh, Rick Flag, Captain Boomerang, Captain Boomerang, whoever, um, Viola Davis. Viola Davis. I can't remember her character's name. And honestly, I loved that they brought back all of those people. Yes, each each one of those people were like bright spots in the first movie. Yes. That they were very smart to bring back. I think they were parts of the first movie that some of the better characters in the first movie that they brought back. It's funny though because most at least Boomerang dies pretty immediately. It's been long enough. I think we can do spoiler talk here. Well, there's your warning. Well, yeah, there's your warning. Uh Captain Boomerang dies. Uh spoiler alert. Um one thing I didn't actually... I enjoyed this movie a lot. This is one of the, I think, the better movies I've seen this year that's been released this year. Um, I didn't like how kind of predictable the first 10... Like, the opening sequence was. Yeah. Like, immediately when I saw that um, Idris Elba wasn't there and John Cena wasn't there and... Um, the shark. They call him uh, King Shark, Killer Shark. No, it's like, well, it's well, his King name Shark, but King his shark, name, his name is, is like Nanawe, Nanawe, I think, or Anawe, um, something like. I'll call him King Shark. Yeah. When I saw that they weren't like part of the initial team up sequence, I knew immediately that every single person in that moment was gonna die. Yeah. Except for Harley Quinn, and then maybe Rick Flag. I thought Rick Flag might make it. Yeah. Everyone else was like, okay, well, all these guys are going to die. The only, like, saving grace to that was it was a very, like, entertaining opening sequence, the way it all kind of, like, played out. Right. It, it kind of, it kind of, um, it kind of cues you into the fact that this is not going to be like the first Suicide Squad movie, that it's going to be a lot more violent and um, self aware. This movie is very self aware. Which the first movie was almost, it, it took itself way too seriously. Um, so there were a couple positives from that opening sequence, but I, I didn't like how almost immediately I was like, okay, well, I know how this is going to go. Yeah, I think they, yeah, like you said, they made it pretty predictable from the beginning. I didn't necessarily know how, 
like the group that we were expecting with um, Idris Elba and John Cena and all of them. I didn't know how they were necessarily going to fit into the story at that point. Right. And I think they did a good job of bringing them in. Right. Um, with kind of that just like abrupt, um, that abrupt cut over to them coming out of the water. Right. And you kind of right. put together like their, maybe that was part of the plan. Right. But yeah, you, when, when we open and th- maybe the only one that I thought might make it out of there outside of the two you already mentioned was, um, Michael Rooker's character. Right. He was a big enough actor that I thought maybe they would keep him around for yes. more than 20 minutes I of the movie. I kind of thought so too, yeah. Um, but we also didn't really get a true introduction to his character. We just right. got him sitting in a jail cell. So there wasn't enough in there to make us actually care about him right. as right. a character. Yeah. So I'm not really surprised. Um, he was just the one that I thought might make it out of there. Um, right. I'm kind of sad that... Pete Davidson, yeah, um, same. Blackguard didn't make it out, right? Mostly because I love Pete Davidson, but I also think that he would have been hilarious with John oh, Cena and absolutely and Idris Elba. Like if they were all together on screen, I think it would have been brilliant, right? I, I at the uh, at the same time though, Idris Elba and John Cena had insanely good chemistry. Yes, it was insane how well. They bounced off each other yeah, the entire they, movie. Well, and I think that I think that was part of their like on screen chemistry. I also think it was written that way. They were right. very similar characters right. from the get go. And that scene with um it's um Amanda Waller. Amanda That's Waller. That's the name okay. of, of um Viola Davis's character. Yeah. When Amanda Waller is like introducing the characters and her yeah. description for Bloodsport and Peacemaker are the exact, the exact same. same. I yeah. I actually like that was genuinely hilarious. Oh, to me. it was so funny. It, it was play it was kind of played off. It wasn't like right. necessarily meant to be a super funny moment. Right. Until the two of them kind of bickered back and forth right. about it. Yeah. But as soon as she started repeating the exact same thing about Peacemaker that yeah. she said about Bloodsport, mm-hmm. I almost lost it. That oh, was dude. like that was actually brilliant writing. So funny. I loved it. So good. Um I really thought that the I don't know if the like the B team of this Suicide Squad, the team that actually like makes it through um, Corto Maltese and actually actually like gets through the mission. I thought I didn't dislike any character, even like King Shark, who is just a giant shark that can barely speak English. Who, by the way, is voiced by Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, what a great casting choice. Oh, absolutely. Or I guess voice casting choice for him. He made that he made that role super memorable. Like he he was probably probably my favorite new character in this movie. I think just so. Just cuz of how simple his character was and how 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 strong his jokes kind of delivered. Like the d- delivery on it, like every punchline that involved King Shark was hilarious. Like the fake mustache, and you hear him getting all mad and just storming off, saying fuck, fuck. "I don't know, I don't know why." I found that I found that scene absolutely hilarious, hey, and it's just King Shark again being super unaware of how to speak English, trying to say he can disguise himself as a human. I didn't really like. 
I didn't really dislike any of the new characters. Right. Um, I thought the, um, what's his was his name Polka Dot Man? Was that his actual? That's all it was. He didn't have a, that wasn't Polka like, Dot Man. I don't know if they ever said his actual name. Um, he like his character to me got kind of old. Like it was just kind of revisiting the same jokes the whole time. Right. About like. It was just like repeated dark humor about how he yeah. was depressed and was like how he like, sees his mom how he sees everywhere. His mom everywhere. I, I don't I kind of thought that I thought that ended up working really well like when um Starro the Conqueror is just his mom. I like yeah. that that to me is like a kind of a bold like visual decision to make to actually have just a a woman a giant woman that's, you know, Star of the Conqueror, but in right. his eyes, it's just his his mom. Well, and so I didn't I didn't necessarily have a a problem with like that creative choice. Yeah, it just seemed like throughout the film, the the different tropes, you know, surrounding his character were right. kind of overused at times. It, yeah, he his... without without like somehow it it didn't add a whole lot of depth to his character right. either. And I think that's the issue that I had is right. it didn't necessarily help his character. It was just kind of there to give him a purpose and, in the right. story. And part of the thing was like his background is established and the one thing they always go back to is like somehow involving his mom. Right. It, the, yes. the, like the, the punchline for his jokes is kind of one note in that sense. And I, I get that for sure. I still thought, I don't know. I still thought it was funny to just, like that scene when they're in the in the in the club, and all the people on the dance like they do that they do that three sixty camera and all the people turn into his mom. I, those moments to I, those I think those were some of the funnier moments. But I do agree in that it it kind of it kind of got like overworn a little bit. Like they didn't have anything else to go to with his character. What did you think about um, just the villain? I guess. All, there was kind of three villains, right? To the movie, there, were the, 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 uh, there was like the government officials, right, in this country that the they military, were in, who were yeah. trying to weaponize Starro. Starro. Yeah, there was Starro. There was Starro, and then there was the scientist. I don't remember his name. Um, uh, it has something to do with all the shit on his head. Yeah. But I can't think. But of what, what it is. like, what did you think about that dynamic of having kind of the the three different? Um, I thought it worked out okay. I I think it, it did make the movie a little bit overstuffed. Yeah. Like we had to we had to they had to juggle a lot of antagonists in a movie that's already like where our protagonists are also pretty antagonistic most of the time. Well, and in a movie where we have what like seventeen different protagonists. Right. There was a lot there was a lot of characters to a keep track of. A ton of characters to keep track of. Yeah. And I think for how many they had to keep track of, the the movie did a pretty pretty good job. Yeah, no, I agree. I and think it was fairly well balanced. I do. for how much they had going on. And I, I think Star like Starro was probably the the one villain that could actually just kind of fall into stereotypical territory in terms of just what the evil that they do being just kind of what we've seen in so many other superhero movies. <clears throat> you know what? But I ended up kind of. I think Star Star's purpose in the movie actually fit really well, and I yeah. think I think the the actual like his actual powers or you know what he does to like control people. It's it's pretty. 
pretty fucked up. Like, yeah. It was actually kind of it was actually kind of disturbing. Yeah. How like once once the mini star attaches to you, you're dead. Like you don't come back from it. Dude, when it, it showed the people who had like the mini stars ripped off their face and it right. was just a hole in their face, like the stars eat your like your face off basically right. and then oh yeah like the, yeah you're like turned into a zombie right that scene in the basement where they're like looking yeah. at all the experiments and stuff yeah rick flag and rat catcher two which is a hilarious name a great joke too like, yeah why couldn't you get rat catcher one he's dead it's like okay yeah all right i actually i think her character is kind of the heart of this movie and i think her background to me is Okay. Okay. So her backstory to me is like the foundation of this. Like she kind of brings a lot of the characters around to like realizing their potential for good, especially Idris Elba's character. Yeah. I think their relationship was very well thought out. And I thought her backstory was really well thought out too. And in the way she tells it and the visual decisions they use to kind of tell her you know, her story and where she came from, I thought worked really well. And the actress who portrays her, uh, plays that scene very convincingly. Too. Yeah. Like she, it felt like she was really, you know, she really got into her character and was able to kind of explore that space of, of, you know, who her character was as a person and what their goals were. And I, re- I really liked as like an emotional, side of this movie i thought her character delivered on that uh very well um she was one of the one of the highlights for me of this movie yeah i think i think that her character did go a long way in adding some oh i don't know if it's emotional stakes at least just a little emotional depth yes depth is a great to the people were she had emotional depth and it kind of brought out emotional reactions and other people which kind of like she, her character kind of kickstarts a lot of, there's not a lot of emotional depth in this movie, and I don't think they were really aiming for that, but her character does bring some of that to the table. So I think you're going to, dis, just based off of what you just said, I think you're going to disagree with this take of mine. Mm-hmm. I think she added a lot of emotional depth, but I think it was a little bit forced. The The scene when they're like in the bus and she's, telling her like life story or whatever to me based off of what we had seen to that point and the type of tone that this movie had taken the way the script was written like i thought that that felt a little bit out of place yeah to me it felt like it just gave them a reason to put taika waititi in the movie yeah like it didn't it served a purpose because it, it gave that emotional connection to the characters right but also, I didn't really need a scene pushing 10 minutes of her telling her backstory. Well, I mean, it wasn't just her all 10 minutes telling her backstory. for. But that's what it was for. Right. That's what that whole scene was for. Well, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of a down scene where they're, you know. But then again, I, I don't know. I didn't, it didn't feel I didn't, out of place to me. I, I enjoyed that scene Yeah. very much. I, I thought it was a... I thought it was well placed in terms of kind of when it happened. Also, it gives it gives King Shark an amazing moment of him just kind of staring out of the window and you can just kind of yeah. see his eyes popping out 
and him like seeing like a couple kissing in an alleyway and, and people laughing and interacting for whatever reason he, he has black eyes because he's a shark or a shark humanoid he's something thing. he's something <laughs> and yet i i still felt the emotion in that moment uh, i could still like feel him like craving that whatever it is that he just saw i think that i it, saw that and i was like damn did they just give king shark like a an actual moment to show emotion even though he okay so maybe didn't show any facial maybe a, maybe like, a little more to emotion. my point yeah is that they gave king shark plenty of emotional depth without having to spend a bunch of time telling his story. Like they were able to establish that like he doesn't really know what friendship means and he right. hasn't had anybody to you know Well he's like he's like the one character who's truly alone. With, but like, basically until the end. A lot of these characters are alone because they kind of force it on them themselves. Like they do things that make them alone. King he's Shark's just an alone. Outcast. King Shark's just an outcast. Yeah. He's alone because he he doesn't understand what it's like to be like together. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, no, it, it does make sense. And I think that they like that makes it easier though for them to not have to like explain why he feels lonely because you immediately you catch the loneliness immediately based on how the others treat but him. But it also it also made you care about this yes. shark humanoid and like genuinely feel bad for him in the parts when like right. he's trying to connect to Peacemaker and he turns around and Peacemaker just like had walked away. He's right. just not there anymore. Right. Or he meet, or he meets those piranhas. Yeah, those <laughs> jellyfish looking ass. Whatever they are, he's like trying to make friends with these weird looking sea creatures. Right. And then the tank breaks and they try to eat and him. And they try to eat him anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like it's fucking you sad. You like genuinely feel bad for this. King thing. Shark gets ripped throughout this ripped on throughout this entire yes. movie. Yeah, it's And you hor- feel that shit. And there's really like I don't know, it it's just unrelenting, like how mean they are to King Shark in this movie. It's yeah. horrible. Oh yeah. But like, it makes you care about it, and right. we don't. It doesn't take a whole lot of background. But right to your point, he didn't really need it because he's just established as the outcast. That is right. what like kind of makes him damaged. Yes, is he's just so much different from he's so far removed. Everybody, every creature, every whatever he's ever met, mm-hmm. that he has he has nobody to like to connect to nobody to call his own whatever right um and yeah it's it's pretty emotional and i think it it works very well it somehow worked that's one thing i think james gunn is really good at is making out like getting the viewer to relate to the outcast Mm -hmm. that's why guardians of the galaxy was so good is because a lot of a lot of those characters pretty much all of them in that movie are outcasts in their own way yeah. And a lot of it is not their own fault, right? Mm-hmm. That's what makes that's one of the reasons that's why Guardians is one of my Guardians and Guardians 2 are two of my favorite Marvel movies because it's just a movie all about outcasts and how they're trying to in their own way, you know, make their own lives better individually and then they come together and <clears throat> realize that they can right. do a much make a much better attempt when they're trying to do it together. You know and what? Um, that's one thing I think this movie also had. Maybe not in the same way that the Guardians movies did, because it's DC and you know. Well, it's a whole different tone. Right, whole different tone, and you get that pretty quick. You get that tone established pretty quick that like this isn't going to be a Guardians movie. It's going to be funny, and there's going to be a lot of comedy and and really well 
written bits with all the characters, but it's it's just a different type of comedy right. compared to that movie. Well, I think that I think the creative choices made by James Gunn were very smart to kind mm-hmm. of distance himself from the idea that this was DC's Guardians because it's not right. No, and I I I understand it's easy to see the connections with the director with right like this just list of characters that really nobody's ever heard of or like yeah maybe you know the names but you're not familiar with them <clears throat> like I could get why the comparisons are there but he made very clear early on that this was not this isn't just this another is not him rebooting Guardians this isn't another Gu- this isn't Guardians in a different universe right exactly yeah. this is its own yeah its own deal you know um. Starro the Conqueror, you know who he really reminded me of within this story? Who? Godzilla. Okay. Yes. He's this he's this character that is powerful beyond measure. Right. But the real villains behind him are the people who decided to fuck with him. Basically. Trapped him and the yeah. people who decided to take him captive and basically he had no other choice but to fight. Right. And therefore became the villain because of the damage he was causing. Right. And had to be, you know, he had to be hunted down by these kind of heroes because of what he was doing, Mm -hmm. which really in the beginning was never his fault to begin with. And he even says, as Starro is dying, he says that line about how he was was perfectly happy floating in the stars. stars. Or something like that. Because his story is he was... He was found in space as he was a lot smaller at the time. Right. But he was found in space just floating through space, not doing anything. Just chilling. And they realized the power of him and decided to turn him into a weapon. Right. I think that, yeah, that's what ends up making his his character as a villain in, you know, kind of the the triangle of villains so... um, like, fun to watch because he's, he's like a reluctant villain. Right, right. You get reluctant heroes, and there's a lot of reluctant heroes in this movie, and you also get that that villain, that person who, if left to his own devices, probably would never have done much evil ever. Yeah, because all he's just floating around, looking at stars, doing his doing his starro shit, floating, just having a good time, (laughs) doing starro shit, doing fuck all, right? Yeah, and then yeah, he you know, then the sequence of events that happen happen. And he becomes this, you know, villainous character because of how other influences and and decisions kind of put him where he is. Well, and I think that that like his final line there, it kind of goes, it kind of goes a long way in helping the audience kind of have a change of heart, right? As right. to what we were watching this whole time, and it also makes you question why, like. Why right. were we here to begin with? Yeah, um, and it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't like excuse what he does because what he does is pretty. Right. Like he still he still kills innocent people. Lots of them. Right. It's not like he just he just hurt the people who hurt him and then moved on. And was like, all right, I'm gonna go back and float in the stars. Yeah. He like he he killed anything that was in his path, and so obviously like that contextualization doesn't excuse what he does, but it does. You know, it does give you that that moment that you don't usually get with villains and super with a lot of villains in superhero movies. It gives you that moment where you as the viewer, as the audience get to go, Oh, I, okay. Like, 
I get it. Right. I I I understand a little bit more now. Yes. You get that you get that understanding. That's what, you know, that's what Marvel did really well with Thanos. You really you really have a very clear understanding of where Thanos comes from and why he's doing what he's doing. Yes. And you get the same thing with Starro here in this movie. You have a very clear understanding especially with that one with that one line that one line at the end of the movie of him just saying i was happy floating among the stars mm-hmm. right just that one line gives you so much so much info well it just it gives you a lot to think about and right. i think i think that the best villains and the best villains have a backstory mm-hmm. that doesn't excuse their behavior but right. it explains it Right. Without necessarily... And we got a pretty good backstory on, like, how they found Starro. Mm -hmm. But they didn't have to take a whole lot of time for us to, like, get a little glimpse into Starro's mind. Give us a little bit of understanding of his character. Right. um, Kind of before it was too late for him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I thought also... I thought... Margot Robbie was great in this movie. Yes. Yes, and she was. Th- a lot of m- my favorite part about Harley Quinn in this movie was a lot of the best visuals came during scenes revolving around Harley like Quinn. Like that whether, where she was the central, the focal point of that scene. Yes. Whether right. it was, you know, her fight to get out of this palace that she was in, that kind of very, like, it was almost like musical esque, like that montage that yes. they were creating, yeah. and mm-hmm. then there was like all of these different animated, like animals and flowers as right. she's doing these like brutally violent acts to escape this palace that she's been mm-hmm. trapped in. It was a great juxtaposition, awesome in that juxtaposition. Scene. And then the one that the one shot that I thought was absolutely brilliant was when she took the spear and she dove into Starro's eye yeah and it's just like water on the inside and she starts swimming and then Mm -hmm. who what was what was following her um the rats the rats rats, yeah the rats start jumping in and like chewing water yeah like that scene was so cool and oh yeah and harley quinn had a lot of bright spots in this film Mm -hmm. a a lot oh yeah the whole scene with the the president the whatever they call him i think they call him president i think so um who wants to marry her the that whole scene plays out as like like this it's like 15 minutes of Mm build-up for that punchline at the end and that whole scene it's like james gunn is is saying just let it play out Mm -hmm. don't worry like don't worry it the the resolution is coming the punchline is coming there are a lot of of bits more com- com- bits that are more comedic than than the one with with this guy with this president guy I can't remember his name and ones like this one that are more serious that it takes a kind of a it takes kind of a while to put the pieces together in the bit to get to the punchline but when the punchline happens it's very worthwhile she actually shoots the guy because she Harley Quinn one of the craziest people on earth finds him too crazy to let him live, right? Right. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy, you know, way to rationalize her thoughts. She kills someone. But at the same time, because Harley Quinn is who she is, because of how she explains herself, you, you get that understanding of why she did what she did. And honestly, it's honestly not one of those situations where it doesn't, 
it actually how she explains it, I think gives her a pass for doing it. Like I think it actually is a well, good excuse. What you, what you to have do to what do, what you have to do with Harley Quinn also is to consider her past, mm-hmm. consider what her character has been through with the Joker. Right. Consider that she is, and her like in this movie, and I never watched Birds of Prey, so I I, I did watch Birds of Prey. I can't necessarily speak to it. Maybe you can. Mm-hmm. She played a great crazy woman. Yes. Like mm-hmm. you can tell that Harley Quinn is like genuinely crazy, like has lost her mind. But that doesn't that doesn't stop um, that doesn't stop the writers in the film from trying to give you some insight into her mind. Right. Just because right. just because she has lost her mind doesn't mean we can't in some way understand her yes. thinking. Yeah. Everything she does and everything she thinks is in extremes. But we can still understand where she's coming from at times. And she right. even explains herself in yeah. sometimes some pretty, you know, just like elementary ways, like very simple right. ways of thought. Yeah. But to her, it makes sense. And to us, it helps us understand a character and also get some of the like some emotional moments, but also yeah. some of the funniest moments. And really good character building moments for her. Yeah. I got to say, having... Harley Quinn, having Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn be in movies where the Joker isn't involved is the best thing to happen to that character. Yep. She is so much better when she's not obsessing. And that's kind of that's the way they kind of set it up compared to how most of the comics play out. Most of the comics, Joker and, and Harley Quinn are married. And they're like very agree they have a very agreeable relationship. But the original Suicide Squad set their relationship up as being kind of disagreeable and right. very rocky and uneven and, you know, kind of clouded with a lot of uh, negativity. So I think getting her out of that, like completely removing the Joker from her storyline really allowed her character to, to kind of come into its own and for her to have great character moments like she has in this movie. Yeah, I agree with that. She was, an again... Another huge highlight that I really really liked. Obviously, Idris Elba is great. He's one of he those. Always is. He's one of those guys that just kind of whatever movie it could be the worst movie you've seen, and because he's in it, it's somehow watchable, right? He's he's like he's like Denzel or like Ryan Gosling, I think, in in that sense that he's just one of those actors that has that ability. Honestly, I think the biggest surprise for me though was how well. John Cena plays Peacemaker because I think for me he was kind of the biggest like I was excited to see John Cena play a character like this Mm -hmm. because so far his his acting career has been kind of like The Rock's acting career like he's done a lot of comedies he's one of the one of the good guys you know a a true protagonist this one he gets to explore that antagonistic aspect of, of you know a character and I thought he did really really good and he was really funny and he played that role he played peacemaker's role really well yeah and it it made me excited for the limited series that's going to come out here soon i think in october yeah it's it's like like coming pretty soon pretty quick i'm excited for it too and they left his character they somehow managed to complete his story arc while right. also leaving it open ended enough that we can get a mini series and still get something out and so, of it. So yeah, still have you some, know, and like yeah. that that was 
that was just smart writing and smart directing. Right. I also think it's it's kind of funny you bring up The Rock because I think that professional wrestling more than other professional sports obviously lends itself to the big screen right a whole lot better right um because they kind of already have a talent for acting and for playing to the crowd and that kind of stuff and i'm glad i'm glad that we got to see john cena kind of yeah come out of his well yeah look at buddy like, comedy type role right look at like dave batista right yeah In guardians of the galaxy that's another example so that's two two wwe guys that james gunn is now kind of like the uh, Dave Batista already was already had acting roles and so did John Cena but I think when they get into these James Gunn movies it kind of pushes them into realms that they haven't explored yet and kind of puts them in vulnerable spots where they could really really fail. Mm-hmm. Right? I wasn't sold on John Cena being peacemaker and then I saw him play peacemaker and I was I I wouldn't want anyone else to have played him. Yeah. After after seeing this movie, and I think that's like the best compliment you can give. I think an actor is. I I couldn't see this character being replaced, being replaced yeah. by any actor, right? And I I was very happy that that happened. I that was the my biggest question mark was, eh, how's John Cena gonna do as kind of a asshole villain? You know, not villain. Well, kind of in the end, kind of becomes another villain. Sure, in his own way, but that's kind of that's kind of built. They kind of build to that. It's not like a shock. Like, oh no, like Peacemaker is like a bad guy, right? They're all they're all bad guys. They're all in prison for doing something. Um, I just, I really like what they did with his character and how he portrayed it, and it, I I'm excited to see what they do. You know, James Gunn wrote the Peacemaker miniseries during co during COVID last year when everything was shut down and they weren't doing anything with production, he spent his free time since this movie was already like they, they didn't, they weren't doing anything to the The movie was in production. They were shooting scenes. So it's not like he was writing or putting anything together story-wise. Yeah. So he's like, all right, I'm going to explore Peacemaker's character and write a six episode miniseries about it. I think it should I be interesting. And it, I'm interested to see if they bring in other <clears throat> characters that we might be familiar with to kind of right. tell his story, maybe talk about how he ended up, in prison, what his, you know, who his adversaries were right? when he was still... You know, the I think the original cover art for the first Peacemaker comic just says, fuck, it's Peacemaker. Like, <laughs> fuck, exclamation mark, it's Peacemaker. And it's just a, a picture of, like, his head with his toilet helmet on. Uh, yeah. So I, that, that cover art, what they did with how John Cena played, I'm pretty pumped for, for that continuation of, like, this kind of imagination of what like the suicide squad could be also i think this movie got me excited for how they could explore this part of the dc universe in further movies well and they i like after this i wouldn't be opposed to more suicide squad movies yes exactly they could make a whole series out of this where every single time it's a Mm -hmm. new villain it's a new list of suicide squad members it's a whole new storyline there are so many things that they can explore with this idea, mm-hmm. um, and I'm excited to see where they go from here. I hope we get more. I think they wanted they wanted to treat this movie as a course correct, and it, by and large, minus a few missteps here and there, worked yeah. in, incredibly well. What do you uh, What do you think in grade wise? Um, 
I would grade this probably a B plus. Um, okay. I think that my my view, and I kind of mentioned this to you um, earlier, my view of this movie was hurt a little bit by all of the hype that it received leading up to. Yeah. Um, I was expecting something that would like completely blow my mind and shatter all of my expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, because when a movie is receiving 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, both critic and fan score, Mm -hmm. I'm expecting something just like absolutely brilliant. And to me, it wasn't that it, it has dipped down like, the fan score is down to like 83% and the Rotten Tomatoes is thought, 91. That's still pretty was, high though. I thought it was really good. Yeah. But my I think my expectations going into it were right. so high that I was bound to be a little <laughs> bit disappointed. Right. Um and I'm not sure that I was disappointed, but I don't think it quite reached the hype that I was mm-hmm. hoping for. It it kind of was getting like Guardians of the Galaxy hype. Yeah. But the difference is I think that, you know, Guardians of the Ga- the Guardians of the Galaxy were truly Characters that only ever existed in the comics had never gotten the time of day on screen. And people were truly like, who the hell are these guys? And the characters in this movie are the same way, which is why I I, I think they were portrayed really well. And the, the the end result for a lot most all of the characters was really good. The problem is we'd already had a Suicide Squad movie. And I right. think that kind of even if it, if if it was indirect, it, it does kind of like tarnish how how high this movie could actually go. Yeah, I, I, and well, I and think, it hurts the name, which matters, right, especially with right. marketing and and getting people to go see the film. I think it was a really good movie. I agree. It, it blew my mind in a lot of moments, but I don't know. It didn't. Like you said, I didn't like it. Didn't end, and I was I didn't feel like I had experienced this like game changing right experience. Right? Yeah, I'd still give it a. I'm. I mean, I'd still go as high as like an A minus though. That'd okay. be my grade. I I I really enjoyed it. It's not without its problems. This this the story again. Like we said, it, it didn't really like change the game with anything. The story isn't mind bending you know, groundbreaking, anything like that. But it, it still does a lot and it accomplishes a lot. And I, I I liked it a lot for that reason. Yeah. All right, dude. All right, bro. Should I bring them out? Yeah, take us out. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Listen. Listen, you are listening. Yes. If you're, if if you're, you're still, here, if you're honestly, you're if listening. you're still listening, you're listening. Yeah. What? So keep yeah. listening. Yeah. Listen everywhere. Listen on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Listen on Stitcher. Listen on Apple Podcasts. If you're yeah. there, by the way, Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review. Yeah. Or let's let's know how you feel. Whatever review. Give us a one star review. If you hate it, I don't you're good. Give, I don't give no hex. I don't give. I never give. Uh, there's a field where I grow my hex, and guess what? You don't give them away. That field's empty. Oh, you don't even there have hex. There ain't to no. Give. There ain't no hex to give. Bro. Oh. Duh. So listen, um, like and subscribe on Please. all of our platforms. This one won't have a YouTube video, but like <clears throat> and subscribe on our YouTube video. Leave some comments. Let us know what you want to see. Check out our social media, Front Row Seats, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Front underscore row media. On Instagram. On Instagram. Do you know the Gmail? 
Is it Front Row Podcast? Front Row One. Seats one. Front Row Seats One. Don't email us yet. We'll Don't email us out. yet. We'll figure out the email. Well, we've said it in previous episodes. Yeah, so if have. you really want to email us, listen to our previous episodes. Yeah, they're all really good. They're all. We don't release stuff that at the end we've we've if we we've never ended a recording said that sucked and then not released it. Yeah. We only release the good shit, the stuff that we like. That's true. That's why we only ever talk about what we want to talk about. Because if we true. talked about shit we didn't want to talk about, we probably wouldn't release most of it. So go go listen. Everything is great. Our first one was kind of shaky, kind of rocky, Tenant. But guess what? Pretty soon, we're coming up on we're the one-year anniversary. We'll do another Tenant review. We're, we'll, re- we're going to revisit We'll give it. the people what they really deserve. You know? Which is us in our fullest form talking about movies. Exactly. Um, so to that, bro. Anyway... That's a good point, Gus. We're coming up on a year of our podcast. So to everyone who has been along with us, yes. thank you. Thank you very um, much. To the rest of you, it's not too late to jump on. It's not. Become a regular. Become a you regular. Won't, you won't regret it. Become a regular. You know, like that one bar you find and the drinks suck. You know, the people there aren't that funny. But like, there's something about that bar that you just that just keep you keep going back to it, and then you're a regular. That's what that's what listening to our show is like, you know. I don't think that was we're good. We're, we're pretty shitty. We're no. not that funny, and our podcasts are <laughs> and horrible. yet and yet there's a there's just that something that that grabs you that makes you want to come back. That was the point I was making. Well, I I guess it worked. I thought I made really good connections there. The subtext was there. Well, I I don't disagree, but it kind of made you kind of made it like you were knocking our product. Like you don't think we have a good product. Like you think our drinks are bad. I was being facetious. We suck. We do. We're terrible. Let's end this. Okay. I'm gonna take the headphones off now. Goodbye, Gus. Uh?